previously on the Adventure Zone. And as you come to, you see a black imperial crown coop wrapped around a tree. Well, sorry, old friend. I gotta run into the woods. It is a note uh, written on the back of a Cryptonomica postcard. For my cut, not quite even yet. I'll be in touch. As you reach toward the crystal, the prevailing feeling that you have right now in this moment is one of absolute certainty that you are dying. Uh, As you fall, you land in a flower bed. Your right eye is now this dark orange hue. Surely you saw it, Duck, in your vision, the meteor. Yeah. It was coming for me. You need to finish what I started. Go to him. You see the face of the person holding this blade. Leo Turkesian, your neighbor and friendly local grocer, clears his throat and says, We should probably talk. the Adventure Zone Amnesty 2019 edition. It's been seven years since we recorded an episode. <laughs> is this the one where we talk about medical history? Yes. No. This is the etiquette one, right? Yeah, you wouldn't know because we're four rude mother, mother fudgers. Griffin. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yes, sir. Griffin, we've talked about your blue comedy before. Welcome to the Blue Collar Comedy Tour of the podcast. We're four yokels, Griffin, Justin, Travis, and Bob the Cable Man, and we're so excited to bring to you the Adventure Zone, and we're going to play Monster of the Week. In this arc, arc, four rough and rowdy comedians have been sucked through a portal and are charged with doing uh, uh, battle with the forces of evil. I, of course, play Ron Tater Salad White. Uh, (laughs) And... uh, I'm really excited about this role. He's, this a He's a paladin. Uh, it's great. I uh, play Jeff Foxworthy, who is in this universe an actual like fox, an anthropomorphic yeah. fox yeah. man. And and Ron White should be known in his paladin name is Ron the White. It's like Ron a, the White, yeah. Tater Salad. So you're leaving Larry the Cable Guy for me? You could yes. do the guy with the signs. Bill Ingvall. Like no, guy... I'll be Ingvall. I'll be Bill Ingvall. Yeah, Ingvall yeah, with his Ingvall. signs would probably be some kind of divination class. Divination. Here's yeah, your signs. omen. <laughs> Here's your omen. Larry the Cable Guy could be like a tinker class or yeah. perhaps like a, a thief or something that can work with or, traps, like a trapper of some sort. What, what about a bard what... named Larry the Fable Guy? Oh, that's, that's quite great. good. Well, okay, so... Since um, we're jumping through time and portals and stuff, maybe it could be Cable the Cable Guy. I like that. Marvel. Okay. um, Why are we not recording this? This is good stuff. 
real quick, uh, Ned, Aubrey, and Duck kill the last big monster, and the world is saved. Thanks for listening to Taz Amnesty. Now it's time to move on to this great season of podcasting that we have just devised over the last three minutes. <laughs> I would let's, kill Okay, let's, uh, let's pick a name for it so people can get on our nerves about it. Yeah, yeah so it'd be F. I mean, t- the Adventure Zone, funny, just to keep <laughs> with sort of the convention. Um, no, we're going to do a lunar interlude for our current arc. Uh, just to like, we haven't uh, done a the, the Adventure Zone zone about Amnesty since we've been in it. Sort of by my guess, I, I think. Uh, we're probably about like halfway through it, I want to say. This is going to be a shorter one than Taz Balance. Uh, and I, I also like, I feel like it's getting a lot more freeform than, than Taz Balance was toward the end. I think we all tried to make this beginning of amnesty kind of more structured and um i don't know narrative heavy like the end of balance was and i think that the way the game has sort of moved it's been a lot more freeform so when i say it's like halfway through like i have no fucking idea but it feels like we're about there um and we're gonna do like level up stuff and heathcliff stuff yeah you wanted to do the lunar interlude this time like based on what kind of progression you wanted based on like what thing you chose as your level up ability uh rather rather than like me doing like hey you're going on a ski trip and then for no reason at all uh you know duck eats some good soup and his sharp skill increases instead of doing that like having some sort of narrative justification for it so that's what we did this time also uh, there have also been like scenes that like I've wanted to, you know, a scene specifically sure. one that we're doing today that like I wanted to do, but it feels weird to stop in the middle of like hunting a monster to be like, and now let's do this. So, yeah, for sure. Um, this works out well. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying the game. I agree that like the the constant kind of tension of there's a monster on the loose that could kill somebody does kind of lend itself to railroading a bit. Like like Travis said, like it's tough to be like okay, and then you go. You know, take a pottery class while yeah. you know the Bandersnatch gets the gets eats up the chi- the the kids. I didn't watch that Black Mirror episode, but I think that's what it's about. Um, so who wants to start? I'll I'll leave it up to you guys. Who wants to who who is the most randy for RPG? Let Ned go because there's somebody at my door. Okay, we're okay, gonna let great. Ned go first. Um, Ned, yes, you've told me what you want your progression thing to be and what the scene is going to be. So, uh, let's hop right into it. Um, Ned, you, uh, this by the way, takes place in like the, like couple of months between, uh, the December hunt and the next one, I guess will be the February hunt. Uh, so this is sometime in that stretch of time. We don't have to all take place at the same time, but it's in there. Uh, Ned, you find yourself at Whistle's Auto Shop and Trusted Used Car Dealership. It is the automotive hotspot for all of Pocahontas County, and uh, you are standing there as a tow truck sort of loudly deposits the still mangled wreckage of your Lincoln Continental uh, in the lot where the shop's proprietor, Whistle's, uh, eyes it over with concern. Uh, Now, Griffin, I'm sorry. Is he whistling as he eyes it over, or is his name Whistle's? His name is Whistles, and this is a name that Justin said offhandedly during some <laughs> duck lie, and now he breathed life into this great character, Whistles, the auto dealer. Okay, um, and one additional question. Sure. Uh, on this auto dealership, uh, has anyone ever been frozen in a block of ice as a publicity stunt? Uh, yes, Clint McRoy, who <gasps> is sort of a plane walker between our uh, between our worlds. We have a sta- okay. that is canon, right? We've established uh, I am able to move from plane to sure, plane. Sure, yes. that is true. Yes, because he does appear also in Adventure Zone Balance. 
And I was okay, so, frozen in a giant block of ice at a used car dealership once. That's that the reference true. I was making. I know. Yes. I know. Okay. Uh, so Whistles looks at like the mangled corpse of your Lincoln Continental and says, uh, Well, Ned, you, you really done it this time. How old are you, Whistles? <laughs> you sound That's like a, Gabby Hayes from the old Western movies. That's a pretty whack way to meet somebody to say <laughs> hi to them, but uh, I'm uh, 51 years old. Wow. Yeah, no, it's hard living. Hard um, living here in Kepler. <laughs> so uh, what the hell did you do to this car, Ned? It looks like it got run over by a train. Close, close. It was the... Um, the tram thing over at the ski hill. The nailed it. Got it in one. The oh, I know the name of it. It's the funiculi. The funiculi ran into my car. It, I'm sitting there, mind my own business, and this funiculi jumps out and attacks my car. But but it's salvageable, right? Oh, Ned. No, I mean it would be cost prohibitive to fix this. Ned, this thing's beyond. The point of no return. This car's up in heaven now, Ned. This is Jesus' car. Oh. This is this is not something I can fix or any human being can fix. Um, so I'm sorry to tell you, but no. There's some good parts in there, maybe. Maybe there's some good parts in there, and there's there's you know still some demand for these antique car components. I might be able to, you know, find a trade for you somewhere in the lot. But there's uh, an eight track player, a great eight track player. I'd really well, love to hang on to that. Now I can get that out for you, or sell it at the flea market, or something like that. But and I've still um, got a bunch of shit in the in the trunk, so I need to get that out too, right? I mean, yes, Ned. Why do you even need to ask me that? That's that's weird. Well, I didn't Um, know it was going to be totaled. I really thought you'd be able to work that whistle magic and fix her right up. Uh, magic's not real, Ned. I'm a mechanic. <laughs> I use tools and stuff. Um, I'll I, I tell you, though, I'm, I don't want to leave you hanging out to dry. I'll do a trade for you. Uh, obviously, it ain't going to be another, you know, classic Continental, but, uh, we can find something on the lot worth the, at least the, the parts I'm going to be able to strip out of this thing. Okay, so, just to kind of play, this is how long after the, the last hunt? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. You I, said, I, you I, said a couple of months, right? Somewhere in between, like the the late December hunt and the February, which will be the the next arc. Okay. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, obviously, with the the end of the last episode, uh, he's kind of feels some guilt that he hasn't been a more active team member. Um, okay. He has an idea of what he wants to get, and he um, he's wandering around this lot. Is Whistles doing that whole used car salesman hanging all oh, over, yeah. hovering? Think, yeah, you and Whistles, I think, hop in a few like different cars. Like, uh, like there's an Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra that's kind of beat up. There's an old manual Yugo. Um, there's maybe uh, an old, like, kind of rusty yellow VW Bug, but it has a spark of life in it. Oh, wink, wink. it's Bumblebee, an all spark <laughs> of life. Uh, yeah, there's the, he probably like okay. puts you in like a, a, a Lincoln hey. Town car, just like trying some stuff. Griffin, out. you, Griffin, you really put Transformers in this thing? What's up? Um, I mean, hey, I hear you guys talk about Transformers a lot. You gonna put Transformers in this motherfucker? Don't hey, spoil the surprise we, ending. Okay. Oh, is that our next? We got to hunt a transformer. Well, the next one is going to be the blue collar comedy tour boys and the and transformers. Then hunt team the transformer, up. yeah. Tr- transformers generation. That's yes. adventures <laughs> on <Even> gasoline. <laughs> uh, okay, so Ned. Uh, all right, I Ned spots something. 
there on the <gasps> lot, and he 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 remembers what Victoria was telling him about fate and and luck and destiny, and it's this humongous food truck, a gigantic food, the biggest food truck Ned has ever seen, and painted on the side of it, it says. Uh, Kreps by Monica. There was a lady named Monica in Kepler who who was who tried to make a go of it with the food truck business selling Kreps. But this is, you know, this you is ca- sorry, sorry, sorry. You call them Kreps? Did you just say Kreps, Dad? How you am I supposed crepes? to pronounce it? It's Kreps. Crepes. It's not like Kreps. It is for sure. It crepes. is. Do you say crepe you paper? You're yes. Perfect. Don't, oh, don't, don't say change anything the thing. other than no. crap crepes. Okay, so so <laughs> this is obviously Mon- a, Monica's creeps. A, a, a fried a fried bologna sandwich market. Creeps no. are not going to crepes yes. are not going to be very popular. So Ned looks at this and has this epiphany that with just a little bit of 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 paint, he could change crepes by Monica into cryptonomica. Oh, that's mm. quite good. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, and it could be a ro- and it could be a rolling headquarters for whatever the hell the three of them are called, and like with surveillance equipment inside, some uh, some weapons, and he can roll around and they can roll around in the Sam. Same, I can tell you're a writer. Like a a mobile headquarters. For but sure. at the same time, it you're hiding right under their noses because it's going to look like a rolling billboard for Cryptonomica, but it's really their mobile base. And is it going to? Are you going to get rid of the crepes by Monica sort of paint job and write Cryptonomica, yeah. or is that yeah? Part just of gonna, your... It won't take very much at all. Just a couple of little bit of paint to change okay. crepes by Monica into Cryptonomica. Uh, I mean, let's resolve this. You're talking about borrowing a move from the professional playbook. Yes. Uh, the mobility Mobility. Move. Um, yep. Yeah. So uh, for that, you have a truck, van, or car built for monster hunting or crepery. Uh, choose two good things and one bad thing about it. And then there's some tags. Uh, roomy, surveillance gear, fast, stealthy, intimidating, classic, uh, medical kit, sleeping space, toolkit, concealed weapons, anonymous, armored, tough, monster cage. Uh, so two of those. I'm going to go with surveillance gear and concealed weapons, like night vision, stuff like that. Flashlights. <laughs> Flashlights. <laughs> I'm into that, like radio scan. Like, you guys don't have a lot of, like, ways to... A police scanner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's a very logical choice. And then for concealed weapons, is it, like, stuff inside, like, Men in Black style, you, like, press on a panel and some guns come out, or is it on the <sighs> outside? I don't know how we would justify that. Um, the, the outside one, I think, would be much harder. Like, if a chain gun comes out of the top in the shape of a crepe, like, that is way harder to justify than you have secret hidden weapons inside the panels of the car. But I think you could say, like, in a food truck, there are probably lots of cabinets and oh, for stuff, sure. like, where you could definitely, like, store weapons so that if we were ever, like, stopped by cops or whatever, or and somebody, had to like, fight them? them? No, that they wouldn't oh, be oh, like, yes, why are you okay. traveling Whoa, with, like, twist. eight shotguns? All right. Uh, is that is that what you want, Mac? If you want a different tag, you know what? I tell you what, for, it might make more sense for it to be something like a a tool thing. 
you know, I don't want Ned all of a sudden to become the Terminator and have, you know, all this firepower. Well, now, hold on. What if he does, though? Uh, yeah, Toolkit is one of the things, so that can be the tag if you want. I don't know. No, that does fit, because, like, that was pretty well established with Ned that the trunk was full of stuff that he needed. Yeah. So, like, oh, that's it. This is your bag of holding, there you go. right? Like, yeah. Yeah, the, right. Toolkit, the Toolkit, I think, is a way to finally sort of have a mechanical like justification for the fact that Ned can have whatever the fuck he wants whenever he wants it. Okay. All right, so toolkit and surveillance gear, and then bad things. Um, uh, loud, obvious, temperamental, beaten up, gas guzzler, uncomfortable, uncomfortable, slow, or old. You have to pick one of those. I think obvious, because okay. it's got cryptonomica written on the side of it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's great. Uh, write that down somewhere if you do not mind. I Clint. just did. Because <laughs> uh, okay, I know so you, how to play this game. Uh, okay, so you're in the, the driver's seat there with uh, Whistles, and um, his name's plural, right? Yes, okay. Uh, and he says, uh, all right, well, this one's an interesting choice, Ned. Uh, Got to warn you, brakes don't work super good. You're going to need to start pressing that pedal pretty far in advance to where you actually sure. want to stop um good no ac good to know no ac so if you uh want to get this thing you know selling enchiladas or whatever have you it's going to get a little hot back in the kitchen so, well we uh, only have we only have you know adventures in like the fall and the winter so i don't think it'll be that big a problem well it's good to hear about your enchilada adventures excited for that <laughs> to come up so uh i'm gonna head inside and start drawing up the paperwork uh you you go ahead and get familiar with your new ride thank you uh, thank you so and, much and he hops out of the car and you are sort of poking around the front panel of <laughs> enjoy the your whip crepes by monica uh and you know looking around in the compartment up in the the sun visor see if there's any you know if anybody left any money in here i guess uh, and the passenger door opens, and someone hops quickly into the front seat. Look, and I he, said I'd take it. Quit with the high-pressure stuff. And uh, he says, uh, doing a bit of car shop. Now, I don't, I don't want to do a British accent anymore. This is the second time I've bailed from doing a British accent on this show. Um, he says, because he was in prison, and his voice changed while he was in prison. Yeah, it happens. Uh, hey, it happens. Hey there, Ned. It's uh, been a bit, hasn't it? And it's it is Boyd Moe. Oh, I've wondered when. I don't think have you you've described Boyd before, right? Like he's big, he's like built, he's like a strong dude. Uh, is there have you like laid out any other sort of visual? He looks badass, I believe. Is what he looks badass. Is, yeah, so I guess he is like a fucking. He's wearing a Punisher T-shirt. All that. I don't know what that means. I don't. I think he's. Uh... Um, I think he's a good-looking guy. I mean, I think he's, you know, can be very persuasive, you know, nice-looking fella. Sure. I think everything about Boyd Mosh is colored in Ned's mind because he, you know, he sees Boyd as being the root of all of his problems. So I've always pictured him as kind of like Jason Statham. Huh, Okay. Uh, well, then I have to make him British again. Then you got to go back yeah. to the British accent. Yeah. You he can says, do it, why Griffin. Do, why does Travis get to pick who, who, what dad's imaginary friend looks like? Because <laughs> I'm dad's imaginary friend. <laughs> he says, uh, hello there, Ned. Uh, it's uh, been a bit, hasn't it? Oh, Mosh. I wondered when you were going to pop up. Where's my stuff? 
he uh, is he's also kind of like looking around the car like you were uh, just just moments ago before he hopped in. Uh, and he says, well, that's uh, that's quite a way to greet an old friend there, Ned. Uh, you're... If you were an old friend, I'd greet you as an old friend. But actually, you're a dick who ruined my life. So let's get on with the conversation. OK, he looks at you and he's kind of like. Uh, a a gog for a second and then he starts laughing and he's like uh, I'm sorry if I got things confused last time we spoke we were in a car a bit smaller than this one uh, and it was wrapped around a tree uh, I'm fine by the way and then you left me for dead uh, as you ran off into the woods with our loot so you're saying that I ruined your life That's that's one way to sort of frame the situation we wouldn't have been there in the first place if it hadn't been for you. We wouldn't have been on the road driving like crazy people if it hadn't been for what you did at the house. And you were the one behind the wheel. So don't blame me for your shitty driving. Um, he sighs uh, and he just starts looking around the car and he says, wait a minute, are you trading in your Continental? <sighs> I, I've got to say, I'm surprised. This uh, this one doesn't seem to have that Ned, Ned chicane flair that I've come to ex- expect from you. Remember the car you wrecked before? And now imagine the Continental wrecked in the exact same way. So you're uh, not the only one having bad vehicular issues. <laughs> he, he laughs and he says, oh, that's a, life has a funny way, as Alanis would say. Uh-huh. Um so listen, Ned. I'm not. I'm not here to further complicate your life. Um, although I think I have every right to. Believe it or not, Ned. I've actually gone clean. I have been rehabilitated, as they say. My life of crime is behind me, save for taking your belongings. Yeah, Ned, yeah. I, would, I was yeah, going to say, did that happen before or after you stole all my stuff? Well, some of that, I, I think, to be fair, and I think you would admit this as well, was also mine, but. I wouldn't call consider that a crime. But listen, I, I'll give you your things back. I promise. I don't need. I have no need for your your trophies. Um, I just need something from you first. Okay. What? He uh, he's got a little messenger bag. He starts sort of rooting around in as he talks, and he says, "Well, I've got no prospects in this country, Ned. Uh, I want to go home, uh, but I need a little nest egg to help me get started before I go." and you're just the man to get it for me. Uh, I would do it myself, but I'm on parole, Ned. I have to be a good boy. Mm, um, yeah, no, of course. He, uh, he says, I know you're not much for art, Ned, but uh, have you ever heard of a, a sculptor named Madeline Cobb? Um, Madeline Cobb, Madeline Cobb, no, not familiar. Oh, she's brilliant. She's... She's very reclusive, and her works are worth quite a bit of money, uh, particularly this one. Uh, it's called Shade Tree. And he hands you a, a small printout of this, like, wooden sculpture. Uh, it looks like it's about two feet tall, and it's just this... It's intricately carved out of this this bright, lustrous wood. Uh, it depicts this rhododendron tree uh, carved in breathtaking detail, and beneath it there's a figure sort of lying and looking upward into the tree's branches. It's a, it is a, a lovely sculpture. 
Uh, and Boyd says, Shade Tree is valued at a high six figures. Uh, I've got a fence lined up who will get me just that if I can bring it to him, which will be enough to get me a new life back across the pond. Um, you, you steal Shade Tree for me, and I'm out of your hair for good. Look, I've gone straight too. I, I, I am a very reputable... Dealer okay. of antiquities. Um, I run my own high quality museum. I am beloved in the community. If you if you um, listen closely, you can hear Dad's butt cheeks flex as he attempts valiantly not to imitate Griffin's accent. <laughs> he keeps wanting to veer wildly into it, but he's gripping on. For dear life. It's tough. It's really tough. <laughs> blimey, it's hard. Proud, proud. Gore blimey, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> uh, he says... Squire? He says, uh, well, I appreciate that you've managed to turn your life around while I did our sentence in the clink, Ned, but I'm only asking you for one job. And it's frankly, it's a cakewalk. Uh... You, you don't even have to go that far, Ned. I've, I've done a bit of scouting since I've been in town, and I found where Madeline lives. Um, get this. She runs an inn right here in Kepler, and he hands you a small stack of photographs uh, taken surreptitiously from uh, behind some, some branches of the woods, and they are photographs of Amnesty Lodge. So, Travis, you wanted to do a scene with uh, Janelle, uh, where you sort of are talking to her about the... Yes, the, my the, magical the... guide, Janelle M- Monet. Yeah, I'm okay with that headcanon. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and you sort of talk about the, the nature of your magic stuff, uh, which has, I, I think, developed over the last arc or so. Yeah, I've um, really gotten good at this whole magic thing. Sometimes, sometimes you drop a do it pizza all. sign on your friends. Uh, that is true. So, um, I think you're you're training with Janelle. Uh, I, I like the idea of like you all sparring. I think uh, your training sessions have gotten a lot less. You know, you levitating rocks on Dagobah and more like you know full blown wizard duels as you uh, sort of work on work on your your magic together. Um, and so you're in this like large banquet hall in the castle in Sylvain. It gives you a lot more space to spar. Uh, and Janelle, uh, pulls up a pant leg and stomps on the ground. And this huge chunk of stone cracks out of the floor and starts flying at you. What do you do? Uh, dive out of the way and it's magically inspired. Like a wind, a wind blows the stone one way as it blows me the other. Okay. Uh, I like that. How do you retaliate? Uh, I would say big fireball sent towards her head. Uh, classic. Uh, roll, I see you in roll 20 here. Why don't you roll plus, roll plus weird. And if you really hard fail this one, this may be the end of Janelle, which would be a tragedy. Well, it's an eight. Well, plus weird, that's a 10. 
Okay. Yeah, out of 10, you uh, throw a fireball at her, and she tries to do, like, the same maneuver you just did. She tries to raise up this wall of water to actually just, like, sizzle out the, uh, the, the fireball effortlessly, but it actually, like, the force of your fireball knocks her uh, backwards, uh, and she falls to the ground, and she looks at you, and she looks very impressed, uh, and your duel Oh, shit, are you Okay. She laughs and she says, you will need to try a little bit harder if you wanted to really hurt me, Aubrey. But yes, I'm more than okay. I'm, I'm, I am proud. Uh, you have come so far since we first met. It is uh, fascinating to me, both from, you know, uh, uh, an arcane studies perspective and also as, you know, a, a friend. Uh, I'm, I am excited for you, Aubrey. And we are friends, aren't we, Janelle? I do. That's nice to hear. Um, and friends, friends talk about things, don't they? They share things. They don't judge each other. Uh, is this like a relationship thing? Because I would not be great no. at, okay. I'm fine with that. Um, I need, mm-hmm. I need to talk to you and mm, you're going to be mad. Okay. Uh, she pulls up a, a chair. She actually like um, uh, fixes. She casts a spell and like fixes the the table in the banquet hall, which like almost certainly got exploded during your duel. And pulls up uh, one of the chairs as it sort of like reforms beneath her. And she sits down and says, "I'm listening." Okay. If I tell you that you have, if I tell you this, I need you to promise that you're not gonna like. Don't re. Don't Aubrey, react. Aubrey, you, this is not a great way to tell somebody something. What no, happened? I know that, but I don't want you to like get really mad and yell or anything. You have my word. Hmm. How to let? How about I step backwards into this and ask this question? Has anyone from my side of the gate ever touched that crystal out there? Hypothetically. Uh, that is hard to say, Aubrey. Obviously, um, we were under centuries of assault from- And Aubrey takes off her sunglasses. I don't think she knows what that means. I, 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 I get the, what the, I get the, like, gesture here, but I definitely, yeah. I don't think she's seen, like, the multicolored eyes. And, and she's just, like, talking and not paying attention. She's like, uh, the crystal was uh, shattered and Sylvain, uh, left us, uh, in some capacity. When, and Aubrey just uh, kind of starts pointing to her orange eyeball. Like. And she looks up at you and says, oh, goodness, Aubrey. Yeah. So I touched it. That's one, I guess. That's bullet point one. She doesn't look like angry or disappointed. She looks like she's um uh like instantly, like her instant reflexive reaction is like it looks like she's like trying to solve a math problem in her head. Like she is trying to like work something out uh as you fess up. And, uh and when I touched it, did you I don't know if you noticed the little kind of impromptu garden that sprung up around the crystal. Did you maybe notice that in the last, like, month? Uh, She stops her, like, calculation and looks up at you and just wordlessly nods. So, like, bullet point two, I touched it. I felt like I was dying. Like it was, like, flobeying all of the power out of me. Oh, I pull hand off, whoa, and then there's flowers, orange eyeball, and, uh, yeah. So is that what you all feel when you touch the crystal? Um, 
she has like long since gone back to like her calculation and then she like suddenly like stands up with a start uh and she like looks around the room to make sure that it's just the two of you in there and she says you need to come with me right now aubrey oh am i in trouble uh she's already like walking towards the door oh, okay um, and she leads you out of the banquet hall and down this uh long hallway past a couple sort of uh uh, detachments of of guards uh, and she takes you into this large chamber that looking at the opposite wall from the one you entered from uh, you can tell is actually behind the royal hall where you first met the ministers uh, of this world during your first trip to this place you see like the three columns that they climb up on uh, to hold court uh, and in the center of this room, there is, uh, you know, there's marble floor and right in the center of it is a crest depicting this large orange crystal uh, in front of the, the castle. Um, and as you and Janelle step on it, she waves her hand and this circular crest lights up and then starts descending into the ground. And then you're just riding this platform downward uh, and very quickly, like you enter into this massive massive chamber uh it honestly looks like sort of where heathcliff lives like you cannot even perceive the 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 true scope of this changer chamber it is so massive and right in front of you as you descend you can see the heart of sylvain it is a huge crystal it looks uh, similar to the one that you see on the surface in like the courtyard in front of the castle and in fact you can actually tell that this crystal is poking up through the ceiling of this chamber and sort of iceberg like uh, is sort of poking up into that courtyard and that's where people sort of interact with it but it's so huge it stretches below the surface below your feet into just pitch black that you, you can't even see the bottom of it and this platform lowers down to this sort of curved observation deck uh, as it stops there and you can just see this awe-inspiring gigantic crystal it's not the radiant orange gem depicted on the crest uh it is it's nearly colorless there's just a hint of orange just getting drowned out by the, by this cloudy gray but it is still like awe-inspiring so you get on this observation deck uh that kind of curves around uh this chamber and to the right always you can actually see a familiar face you see uh alexandra the the young interpreter whose uh, thoughts you apparently read a couple episodes ago. Uh, she's sitting cross-legged on a cushion um, facing the crystal. Her eyes are closed and Janelle kind of puts a finger to her lips and gestures you away from her so as not to disturb her. And she takes you uh, to another part of the observation deck and is sort of leaning on a railing overlooking the crystal. And she says, so this is, this is Sylvain. This is, this is what it really looks like. You're uh -huh. the first, as far as I know, you're the first human to ever see this. Well, thank, thank you. So uh, am I in trouble? All right, let's get back to this in trouble thing. It's hard to say, Aubrey. Ooh. You're not in trouble with me, but you are very much in danger. Well, that's not better. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, Aubrey. There are things you need to understand before you can understand the, the, the shape of that danger. This is, this is Sylvain. This is the heart of her. This is the thing that sustains all life on this planet. It is the source of all magic that we know of. Um, it, it was the source of those things, I should say. Sylvain, the entity inside of it, the entity that sustained this world is gone now. And as a result, this planet cannot sustain us. 
The corruption beyond our city's walls, the same corruption that inhabits your Pine Guard chronicler, it is a reaction to Sylvain's disappearance. Uh, we call it the Quell. It is, it is not a malevolent force, Aubrey. It is doing what it thinks it needs to do to salvage the planet. It is killing us before we can kill it. Where did Sylvain go? Nobody's quite sure. She disappeared when we were attacked some centuries ago by humans from your world who found a portal and crossed over and shattered the, uh, the, the crystal on the surface. They took shards of it home as souvenirs, Aubrey. I'm still quite sore about it, but some people think that Sylvain is dead. Some people think that she is just weakened uh, because of the damage done to her heart. Um, nobody is quite sure, Aubrey, but as a result, the, the planet is weakened. And yet you are telling me that it seemed to respond to your human touch. Yes, I would say respond might be uh, downplaying it since I almost died from being, I don't know, attached to it or whatever. It felt like dying. That's hard to say because that's like saying, you know, I had a panic attack and I almost died. It felt like it, but I have no idea. Yes. Okay. So, yes, I touched it. It responded. Short answer. Yes. And you breathed life into the ground beneath your feet. Okay. Our world has not long to live, Aubrey. A year, maybe more, before the quell... Ah, dip! Yeah, before the quell overwhelms us, before Sylvain's light fades for good. And there are those among us who would absolutely destroy your world if it meant saving our own. There are those among mm. your people who would try to destroy our world if they recognize that threat. Don't you see, Aubrey, the, the tether that connects our worlds? It is built to lead to the death and destruction of both of our people if things escalate beyond our control. If people here in Sylvain, Aubrey, find out that humans who touch the crystal will have their life drained from them to bring our planet back to life, that is not a secret that I would prefer to get out there, Aubrey. You can't say anything like that out loud here ever again. Do you understand me? Uh, yes, but also maybe we could work out like an exchange where like the humans would come over, we touch it for five seconds, and then your people touch it for five seconds, and we find a balance like a blood bank. You know, we come, we donate, and then you all could take what you need you know your people better than i do but does that sound realistically like something that they would agree to on mass no all no on mass no aubrey i i i will teach you what i can about your powers about what i understand of them but your meddling in our world's affairs may very well be the catalyst for all-out war between our realms Ah, You are a brave woman, Aubrey. I've become very fond of you these past months, but this is not your world to save. Hey everybody, this is Griffin McElroy, your dungeon master, your best friend, and your... Gymnastics coach, and I want to see you pull those legs in a bit more when you're doing the big flip during the big gymnastics game this weekend. Thanks for listening to uh, The Adventure Zone. This is episode 20 of Amnesty, which is kind of wild. 
Uh, and uh, I hope you are enjoying it. I know there's a lot of people who sort of enjoy the more uh, mechanical discussions, which is sort of what this episode is all about before we start the new hunt uh, with the with the next episode. Uh, thanks for being patient during our time off over the holidays. We very much needed it, and uh, we are ready and raring to go uh, on all our podcast fronts. But before I get uh, to the rest of the episode, let us, please, let us talk about some of our sponsors. Hello, it's me, the Internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis, how did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right, Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, content you create, or even your time. What, what influencer doesn't do that? I ask you, I'll wait, that's right, none of them. They all do that and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside, you can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have an Aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Chicago, we're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2, and we're doing live shows, all a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out, and Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. 
April 25th is Taz. April 24th is my brother, my brother, and me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2 schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information's there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. We'll be back in two weeks with the next installment of the Adventure Zone Amnesty. So uh, we'll see you see real soon. Duck. Oh, I, I should say I took plus one weird. Oh, yeah. And I should mention. That's yes, my, that is a good way of okay. uh, finishing that. I, okay. I got strong. I got better at magic through training. Plus one weird. Yeah, for sure. All right, Duck. Yep. Uh, you messaged me like 45 minutes ago or 45 minutes before we started recording. There's no, need, like, there's no need to make it seem <laughs> like a, a, a spur of the moment decision. Uh, you said, I, w- I can't wait to level up my wizard. And I had to be like, oh, dog. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Um, you wanted to do a scene with Leo, which I think is, uh, of course, kind of the scene that we have to do. Because it would be wild if he was like, by the way, I got powers, too. Um, and then you're like mini golfing with your friend, <laughs> Jeff. I do, though. I It feels weird for it to be the same time lapse as like you talked about with dad. No, no, it can be that night. Like, it, it, okay, I, I'm saying it. anywhere in that two month. I think that's a scene be. that you need to see. Yeah. Okay. Um, where is it's it the happening? Thing that I want to do. Yeah, he's standing like at your doorstep when he like had the sword, and you realize that Minerva was apparently speaking to him. Uh, and uh, yeah, where do you want to? Where do you want to do this scene? Like, are we picking up literally right then, or are you in uh, one of your places? We cut to inside the apartment. Uh, yours or his? Because my apartment. Okay. And I'm lying on the floor of the bathroom. Okay. Just and... like, yes. Uh, All right, and that is I think that is where the scene is happening. Uh, and he's he's sitting on the toilet, I guess, on top of the lid. No, he's standing in the doorway. Okay, he's All standing. Right. In, he's standing in the doorway to the bathroom, not sitting on the toilet. Thank you, Justin. No. That would have been a weird sort of feel <laughs> for the scene. Yeah, it would have been a weird sort of feel. He says, do you, do you got any, like, uh, Pepto-Bismol or something? Do you need, like, a, a ginger ale? No, just... All right. All right. I know. You've done it three times. Just one more time for me, because I'm going to get it this time. Start at the beginning. <sighs> okay, Duck. Uh, I was also chosen there for uh, for a bit uh, until you were chosen uh, before the gate opened up. In the woods, here in Kepler, there was one up in Manhattan, uh, old 91st Street Station. It's been shut down for like half a century or something. Gate opened there, monsters started to come out. Minerva showed up in my dreams, like I'm sure she did for you. Popped up in that weird, like, sp- spectral form. Spectral I thought form, yeah. I thought she was like a slimer or something. Yeah. Did you? Was that your first inclination? Well, I've never had anybody to talk to about this, but I thought it was a slimer. I thought I was high. 
uh, because I was in high school and I had, yeah, I thought I was high. Well, anyway, she taught me the ropes. She, you know, gave me the powers and I, you know, protected New York City from otherworldly threats there for like 19 years or something. And, uh, you know, got older. My body stopped being quite as sprightly. And uh, then my gait disappeared. And uh, next thing I know, Minerva told me that she's chosen someone new and my shift was over. So I, I had to get to Kepler where the gate was now and deliver the new chosen one a blade. Uh, keep, and, and, you know, keep, keep watch over him as he uh, learns the craft. So that's, that's what I've been doing. So why didn't you do that? What do you mean? Well, I mean, I've been figuring all this stuff out by myself. Like, if you were supposed to come here and watch over me and help me and be all, you know, Mr. Miyagi and shit, what, where have you been? I just had to watch you, Doc, and, and make sure that nothing, you know, seriously bad happened to you. Minerva was explicitly clear that I wasn't supposed to spill the beans. Uh, I think she, frankly, Doc, I don't think she wanted you to know there was other chosen people out there. I, I, can, I can understand her concern. You... You know, not feeling as special and what have you. And, you know, also understanding that this job, it doesn't just end. It ends when you end uh, most of the time. Uh, it's it's complicated, Duck, but she she had a plan. And, and, and I was there every step of the way making sure you, you know, never got snuffed out. Can you, has there been any specific times you can point to where my bacon was preserved by you? Or has it just been kind of an overall guiding light sort of deal? Sort of like, yeah, a guiding light. Uh, I'm not, you know, a helicopter parent or anything like that. Uh, yeah, you've been doing great. So anyway, uh, yeah, I didn't think uh, we would ever get to have this conversation until a few minutes ago when she, I, I guess, is, I guess she's just gone now, Doc. Uh, yeah. I'm so, I understand that this is like quite a shock to you, but I need you to understand this was, you know, my 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 friend for, you know. 30 some odd years or something. So, uh, I'm, I'm also kind of, kind of trying to process some stuff right now. And I think now he does go sit on the toilet. Fuck you guys. And he's, he's <laughs> needs buckling. Now he's sitting in the john. Um, so do you have like powers too? Uh, I mean, not as strong as they used to be. Uh, I, I, I haven't been doing much monster hunting, uh, these days, but, uh, let me see. Uh, and I think he like tries to, Rip the toilet up out of the ground, and he's like, "Wait a minute, I, sh I shouldn't be doing this in the first place." Uh, I I don't know, <laughs> Duck. I I think I still got powers, but honestly, since Minerva disappeared, uh, I pick up a roll of toilet paper and I chuck it at his head. It hits him like it just absolutely hits him in the head. Yeah, yeah, man. Hey, yeah, M me too. Wait, uh, hold on. You're telling me that. Your powers are... Punch me in the stomach. He stands you up, and he's like, are you sure there, Duck? Punch me in the stomach. Come on. Uh, do you want me to roll for this, or just am I just going to get you? I think if you want the punch, he's going to punch you. Yeah, just uh, punch me. You don't need to roll for it. Like, uh, He is, uh, you know, the humble, friendly local grocer who's... Uh, I forget what age range I put him in, but he's up there, and you don't expect a lot, but he punches you with, with surprising force right in the gut. I vomit into the tub. See? <laughs> you see? Do you see? It's gone, man. 
That's the that's the game. Can we go in the kitchen and finish this conversation or something? It's, it's yucky in here. <laughs> yeah. That's jump fine. cut. I jump could... cut to the kitchen. Yeah, it's He's... fine. I could use some granola or something. He says, All right, let's not panic or nothing. Uh I mean, this makes sense. All the powers that we had, technically we were just uh borrowing from Minerva, after all. Uh her her people, I don't know how much she told you about her people. They got some sort of psychic thing where they can like share their their combat prowess with whomever they choose as long as they get like a line of communication open with them. And uh I guess it's gone now. Uh for you and, and me, Duck, that line of communication. And this next part is gonna sound a lot scarier than it actually is. So, you know, batten down the hatches. Um Minerva was talking to us through like a a wormhole duck that we um a little barely there even little wormhole that was sort of inside our brains mm-hmm. i guess now that she's gone the uh the phone line's been disconnected please please try later you know uh leo i i mean this is a lot to take in um i mean holistically speaking a lot I mean, the finding out that you were chosen. I mean, overall, it makes me feel a little less special. Honestly, See, that's if, exactly if why. If a bunch yeah. of people are being chosen, it's like it's less chosen and more like I don't know, pressured into it. <laughs> pretty much. Well, this this thing, Doc, this this tether between our world and and the other one, the one that yeah. the monsters keep coming through. That's that that ain't something new. That's that's been happening on Earth for. I don't know, man, centuries, millennia. It's, it's been here a while, and they, there have been people protecting it for quite some time. Uh, you know that Minerva's planet had the same deal, right? Same sort of connection with another planet, and yeah. they they killed each other off. Minerva yeah. was the only survivor. She told you that bit? Yeah, yeah. she told me the part where she was the one who did the killing, too. Yeah, she did. And I think that she found us because she wanted to redeem herself in some way to make sure that some other planet having the same sort of situation didn't didn't settle things the same way. I think she's trying to make things right. Uh and now I guess it's just up to us now, Duck. I guess it's I guess it's just on you and me. I got a couple decades on you, so when I'm gone it's just gonna be you. You're you're gonna be the last one to ever be chosen. Uh and you know, no pressure, buddy, but if if you can't find a way to stop those monsters from terrorizing our planet, ain't nobody gonna stop it. Yeah, well, let's hear some of the skills that I'm bringing to the table currently. Uh, made of flesh, very vulnerable to bullets and knives and uh, fangs and acid and poison. So those are pretty much my only weaknesses. I don't know if I mentioned fire and blunt trauma and drowning. And bullets, but those are my weaknesses. Strengths include a large reservoir of botanical information. Pretty good at Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Less good at 3. I dropped off at 3. That is it. I I played the trombone for two years. I don't know if that's even going to be helpful or not, but that's what I got. Leo. I mean, that's what I'm bringing to the table currently. He says, uh, well, I'm, I mean, I know that you, you, your superhuman reflexes, some of your powers are gone, Doc, but I wouldn't say that you, you know, 
completely powerless. And he like really quickly reaches over and he uh, grabs Beacon, who kind of responds to his touch and uncoils and he throws Beacon over towards you. I think act under pressure <laughs> with your new stats, which we'll talk about here in a second. Mm, okay. I can roll it for you if you don't have Yeah, if you don't mind. I'm not, I wasn't logged into the... Oh, that's a 10. Hey, great. Plus, uh, what's your... What's your cool? Uh, one. <laughs> okay, so it's eleven. Yeah, I, you catch it. Like you, 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 you catch the sword. I, I like the idea of Leo just coming at you with his broadsword, just to like kind of shock you into heroism. Uh, he starts running in your direction with the the uh, the broadsword sort of plunging towards you. What do you do? Uh, I. <laughs> I throw Beacon back at him, still coiled, and go into a fetal position. <laughs> okay, you you grab Beacon, and it immediately coils up in your hand, and you drop to the floor, and uh, Leo uh, stabs through uh, the 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 rear wall of your apartment. It just goes. It cuts through his broadsword. Cuts through like the the. Uh, plaster what? he like it like stabs <laughs> through yeah it stabs through the drywall and you actually like can see it through your kitchen window now just like peeking out of the side of your house and uh he looks down at you and he says uh okay we're fucked Uh, why don't we talk real quick, Justin, because yours is probably the most drastic thing we've ever done mechanics-wise in the game. Because uh, you messaged me and had an idea for like a power you wanted to take, and then I suggested something a little bit more dramatic. Yeah, so I am I am no longer uh, the Chosen. I am now Duck the Mundane. Uh, so yes, new playbook, uh, the, the mundane and the, the powers here are so, so, so can you like read off some of the moves that give it some of that good mundane flavor? I'll, good go, powerless I'll, flavor? Give, I'll give you the ones that I have chosen because these are okay, the ones yeah, that you get to pick three. Uh, and I've added one because I went ahead and took my upgrade levels because I yeah, didn't go ahead and feel take like three I, levels up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have always the victim. When another hunter uses protect someone to protect you, they mark experience. Um, whenever a monster captures me, I mark experience. It's so good. It's like a way of rewarding you for playing the like, uh, you know, powerless best friend archetype. Uh, power of heart. When fighting a monster, uh, if I help someone, you don't roll plus cool. You automatically help as though you rolled a ten. That is an incredibly powerful uh, thing. Trust uh, me. When a, when you tell a normal person the truth in order to protect them from danger, roll plus charm. On a 10 plus, they do what you say, uh, what, what you say they should, no questions asked. On a 7 to 9, they do it, but the keeper chooses they ask a hard question first, stall and dither for a while, or have a better idea. A <laughs> quote, better idea. Um, and and last, on, a, on a miss, I get, to, I get to screw you over, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the last one I've chosen is don't worry, I'll check it out. Whenever you go off by yourself to check out somewhere scary, mark experience. <laughs> um, so this class is all about like putting yourself in danger and having to be rescued. Uh, I also really like that uh, power of heart move because it's like you are now you're you know the most human one of the group, and so you're able to talk my, to people and my stats you know, are worse. Commiserate, yes, uh, of course. obviously. Um, I have readjusted beacon stats. The the mundane 
can get a uh, golf club, baseball bat, cricket bat, or a hockey stick. So I've readjusted beacon stats to be in line with those. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't hate you still having the same. Like I don't think Beacon would get weaker with you. I don't actually like that. Well, Beacon, Beacon was... has also been damaged, so I figured oh, that the two right. of us are are you know we're both damaged goods at this Shit. point. Shit, yeah. So okay. he is too harm, uh, too harm, innocuous and messy are the current like uh, tags on that. And okay. also the one upgrade <laughs> is that I have a means of transport. Yes. Now, uh, how do we? So I yes. can no longer run everywhere without getting tired. So, <laughs> upon realizing this, Duck dug back into his closet and dug out his skateboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. So you've got a busted sword. You've got a skateboard, and you still do have a jetpack. So that can be a fun. Uh, I'm pretty sure it. It came back to you. It came back to you at the end of the last arc. Okay. Remember, it saved Ned. It came, yeah, came back and true. saved Ned's life. Uh, okay, that's fantastic. So anyway, I'm, I'm just a regular person now. It's not like a secret with a skateboard with and a, a jetpack. Yeah, um, I, I yeah. Here's a spoiler for you guys. Like, I I no longer have the ability to shrug off all damage. If I'm going to use a jetpack, I'm going to be in the next state. I'm going to have to like rem- <laughs> activate that shit via Wi-Fi. No way. Uh, uh, that's great. Okay, so uh, the last thing we need to do is the uh, Heathcliff stuff uh, where you all uh, managed to get all three of the items on his list. So, Which were, uh, remind us again? Uh, a Seer's Spectacles, a uh, like Lawkeeper badge or something like that, and the Victorious Seed, which you got from uh, defeating the, the big tree at the end of the last arc. So you, you got all three. Uh, well done. And... Y'all are, uh, the three of you are now together in the chasm beneath Sylvain. You are in the the realm of the Enchanter. Uh, and that is still the most D&D-ass, that's more D&D-ass shit than I did when we were playing D&D. Uh, you're in the the Enchanted realm of the Enchanter, Heathcliff, the big cat. Uh, and, and there's uh, enchantment in the air. There mm. is, you can feel it. And, and everyone's uh, chanting. And there's Heathcliff suddenly. Jump cut. Heathcliff is there. We're starting in media res. You've been there, and now there's Heathcliff. Uh, And he says, I can sense the presence of a few valuables, a few precious items that uh, I requested. Um, Yum, yum, give me some. And he extends his huge paw down to the the platform where you are standing in front of him. I put the items on his very large toe beans. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he retrieves them, and he says he actually just like out outstretches his toe beans and lets them fall down into the chasm uh, below uh, to land in I don't know some sort of mysterious pot. Who knows what he's got going on in there? <laughs> Who could even say? It's a big Scrooge uh, McDuck swimming pool full of artifacts. That's probably what it is. And Heathcliff says, uh, okay, uh, deal's a deal. Uh, what's it going to be? A, an enchantment? Uh, summoning a new item? You all uh, you all know the score. You might not. It's been like nine months. 
yeah. to, to spoken. I uh, definitely remember, but maybe the folks at home don't, Griffin. Yeah, it's, just recap for their benefit. Right, because we me- know, we remember. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. This is a mechanic that I sort of hacked into the game to sort of keep some of that like D&D magic item feel going uh, called Acquisition, where you roll 2d6 plus the number of items you recovered for uh, Heathcliff, and you can either enchant an item you have now and try to get like another tag added to it or uh, summon a new item altogether. So for example, in the last time you guys did this, Aubrey enchanted her vest to get uh, one armor, the one armor tag added to it uh, and rolled successfully. And so that was successfully added to the armor. Uh, Duck summoned a jetpack. That's how he used his his role. So uh, really, really, really open-ended system. It is fully up to you guys. I will now drop Oh, uh, I will drop the gear tags into Slack. There's the list of tags. It is quite long. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Uh, okay, uh, Aubrey, you rolled a... 20. Oh, uh, no. You rolled <laughs> Basically, a, uh, you rolled a t- Holy shit, you did roll 6-6. Six, six. You rolled a nat 12 plus 3, so 15. I got 15. I want... I'm looking for her, what would justify this. I want a knife that I can control. You want a magic fucking the phantom knife? Yes. The shadow. Oh, was it the shadow? Damn it, you're right. Um hmm. Or maybe just like a throwing knife. I want an I want some kind of weapon. Yeah. That I can use because right now I got the magic and that's great. Magic, right. don't get me wrong, super great. We we need to make sure dad hasn't been kicked off the call because Travis mentioned the shadow and dad didn't uh <laughs> smash into the conversation kool-aid man style it's like a five minute delay apparently on the call um yeah trav i think we can i mean we can do whatever the fuck uh i'm just trying to figure out a way to make it work uh the you get a oh that's right so you'll get a positive and a negative tag for it so i think the idea of you having a a knife that you are like bonded with. I don't necessarily know that this is like your magic magic. Like I think the knife is magic, but like uh-huh. all of your magic so far has been very elemental. Unless yes. it's like you are using the wind to blow this knife no, around. No, no. In a cool I, I want this to be like a magic Sylvain knife. You uh, yeah. know, like for sure. I don't He's... want it I, I do want it to be like something that I have to like guide that right. I am responsible for. Uh Heathcliff says, Oh, that's a breeze. Are you kidding? Magic knife? Oh, he, he yawns. Oh, no, I don't think I can do a magic knife. And he ducks down into the chasm, and you hear a loud sound and a flash of light and a whoosh as he rises back up and extends his uh, cat paw towards you and hands you the magic knife. Uh, what's it look like before you figure out its tags? Um, I'm going to say it's very much like a, a Scottish dirk, like a small one, so there's not like uh, it's It doesn't have like a big... Uh, cross. Oh, I'm so mad at myself that I can't remember what that is. A, a, a guard? Yeah, it doesn't have like a big guard or anything. It's just like straight blade to handle. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, there's there's, there's basically no guard at all. It's just like a, yes. a handle and then a blade coming out of it. Um, okay, I'm, I'm into it, that. And it does have, a, not a scabbard, but a sheath um, that one might keep perhaps on a belt or in a boot. It's basically like a throwing knife, you know? Yeah, I feel it. That's good. Um, yeah. 
uh, that comes out of it. And uh, it, it, I think, flies towards you. Like, it knows what's up uh, and sort of stops as it gets close to you uh, and rotates itself to uh, put its handle in your direction. And I grab it. Nothing and, else happens. And maybe squeal a little bit. Uh, okay. It's super cool. So I think it's going to have the far tag. Fart. <laughs> fart <tag. laughs> I love it. I think, and I'm trying to decide if like that's the positive tag here, if that's kind of like a freebie that kind of determines, I think that's a freebie that like determines its range. So what's the other, <clears throat> what's the other gear tag that's good here? And then I mean, magic. The- yeah, sure, magic. So it can affect certain creatures and armors that are proof against normal weapons. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the negative here will be, I mean, it's a knife that flies around through the air that you do not really understand how it does that and so because you don't really understand that I think there's like not a 100% guarantee it's going to do what you want all the time and it is a magic flying knife I think volatile this weapon Mm -hmm. is dangerous and unstable is a pretty good one yep okay alright Ned Duck what are you feeling what do you want what do you I'll let Ned go first okay what are you selling six plus three three is a nine Uh, okay are you trying to summon something or enchant something I think Ned wants to enchant the Nerf Blaster 3,000 or 5,000. Uh, well, th- how much are you enchanting it? Yeah, we can add power to it. Um, it's I really 5, like... 5,000! Uh, is that right? I, I like the idea of it being even more powerful, but I also like the idea of enchanting it with life drain, which transfers huh. transfers life energy. The wielder is healed for as many points of harm as were inflicted. Uh, okay. Which sounds, you know, egotistical enough to still qualify as being Ned. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. And yet, you know, kind of kicks up his attack power. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think, uh, I like that a lot. I want this to happen very badly. Uh, the The rule I wrote in, like, when I was writing this is that each piece of gear can only be enchanted one time. So, like, the, I think the enchantment you got last time was magic. And so you could shoot a ghost with it, essentially. Uh, I think you can definitely do this, but maybe it replaces magic, which, like, magic only lets you hit ghosts, basically. Magic is the tag that lets you kill things. Uh, So, like, swapping out magic for life drain. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I want to... him. I hold out... Ned holds out the Nerf Blaster... Let's say 5,000. Okay. The Nerf Blaster 5,000 and tells him... um, I would like this to not only hurt other people, but help me. What do you got, big cat? Hmm. Uh, he he takes a look at it and he says, didn't I already do this one? Yeah. Yeah. What, you got rules? Uh, I, I think I know what you're getting at. Hold on one second. Um, and he dives down into the abyss and this time he comes back up and he uh, is holding like this yellow orb as well as your your blaster and now the yellow orb starts like floating in the air and he waves his hand over the uh, over the nerf blaster and you see this like purple light come out of it which he then sort of like forms into a ball and then drops down into the abyss and he grabs the yellow ball out of the air and pushes it into the blaster uh, and then he hands it back down to you and he says um, well why don't you um? Why don't you give that baby a a, a blast? Just, just point it at the wall for Christ's sake! But uh, uh, why don't you give that a shot? All righty. 
Oh, I don't have to pump it or anything. I just point it here and pull the trigger. Uh, a, I think the way that it does the life drain, I think it's a beam now. I think it's a full-blown like <laughs> Ghostbusters proton pack that like whips across the wall, leaving like a scorch mark as it goes. And I feel awesome. Uh, okay. And duck. Yes. Have you waited till last because you don't know what you want and we're going to get you another jet? No. Okay. What do you got? Uh, Garfield. Um, I don't know who that is. And I wish. Damn. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck me. Good try. I was getting convinced, confused. Um, so I roll first, and then I decide what I want to do with it. That seems um, wild. Yeah, that hasn't been the rules, but it's what tra- Travis and Dad did. So I think if yeah, it's you... like a weird thing. Yeah. to do. I'm not going to do that. Okay. What do you What do you want from the list? I need a helmet. <laughs> I need a helmet. Like a f- I don't foot, want listen a football helmet or a medieval like a like a good like a. Like you, you know how sometimes you put helmets on people who are going into dangerous situations because they're just regular ass people and not like superheroes. I need a helmet. Um, I need a helmet. Okay, uh, uh, uh just a regular old helmet, or do you want a- like a good helmet? You dumb cat, a helmet. <laughs> He looks kind of. Don't fuck around with me. I'm not stoked to be asking. I need a helmet. All right, I need a helmet. Um. Okay. He he looks pissed off. He's like, let me see. Shut up. Let me see. Let me see what I (laughs) do. Pipe down. All right. Yuck it up. I'm glad you are still fucking X Men. I'm just a regular dipshit, and I need a fucking helmet. Uh. He says. uh, Sorry, cat. I need a helmet. Yeah, um, I get that. Um, any sort of design considerations, or I might be wasting this not getting a tombstone. Now that I think about it, <laughs> them shits is expensive. I can you give me a hologram tombstone? Nah, all right. You know what? That's thinking. Thinking. I'll start with a helmet. Uh, he and dives Aubrey down. Yells, Viking. He dives down and no, like cool. <laughs> He dives down into the abyss and uh, takes a while down there. Uh, and you see like a few flashes of light and he uh, comes back up. And I think he's got like five or six different helmet designs. And he's like, um, you seem like you're having maybe a bit of a bit of a week. So uh, I, I thought maybe you could pick your favorite. Maybe you could have some fun with that. Uh, and there's like a, you know, like a motorcycle helmet. There's a Viking helmet for sure. There's like a knight's full helm with the like guard in front of it. There's like a sort of a modern combat helmet uh, with like some, you know, like the netting wrapped around it. Uh, I think he, he offers you a few different helmet designs. Uh, Viking. Viking. Give me the one that looks like a skateboard helmet. <laughs> God, at least I can wear that to work. Because I'm skateboarding to work, by the way. So you can't run without getting tired anymore? I can't run like eight miles what without happened? getting tired anymore. To be fair, Ned, Ned you Ned, can't do that lit- either. Yeah, Ned, you can't run eight blocks. Shut up. Got him. Ned. Fine, okay. Be there. Uh, I don't want to leave it till the next adventure with that negative, with that poop, no, with that okay. poo-poo <laughs> argument. No, I don't want this beef lingering in the air. 
Oh, but maybe it's going to. See you next time, folks. <laughs> <laughs>